Welcome to Spark My Muse, everyone. Today, my guest is Dr. Loretta Coleman-Brown. She is Distinguished Professor Emerita of Psychology at Agnes Scott College. She is a heart and kidney transplant survivor, and we'll be talking about her book, When the Heart Speaks, Listen, Discovering Inner Wisdom. Dr. Coleman-Brown is also a graduate of the Shalem Institute for Spiritual Formation, and she serves as a spiritual director and companion and she has created Friends of Silence groups and organizes listening prayer circles. She also is a scholar of Dr. Howard Thurman, a mystic and contemplative that was a contemporary of Martin Luther King Sr., the father of Martin Luther King Jr., and also a spiritual advisor to many of the civil rights leaders and shapers of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. And I'm so glad to welcome her to the show today. And I'm very excited that we will be partnering in future episodes to discuss the life and legacy of Howard Thurman. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I am just delighted to be talking with you this morning. Moving into contemplative spirituality has been such a balm for my soul. Um, but most of the, the writings I always introduced maybe through... Um, Thomas Merton and, and some of the Catholic writers. Uh, mm -hmm. But I've been really longing to hear from other voices. So I'm just recently been turned on to Howard Thurman and, and just getting into just bits of that work. And so I was hoping to, to intermingle your book and your story with whatever you, you can share about him. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. As a matter of fact, I'm in the process of sort of developing a workshop or retreat around mm -hmm. uh, one of his lovely books called um, Meditations of the Heart. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so part of it being uh, focused on that book, um, and then the second part focused on my book, mm -hmm. which is, okay, so let us, you know, examine what it is that we're meditating on in our hearts, mm -hmm. um, and just kind of get a look at that. And then what about if you might have a conversation with your heart? Mm. So, <clears throat> yes, he's he's a great um, model, and I think because he uh, was not living in a religious community, mm. but you know more connected to everyday people, his kind of living wisdom, um, particularly in the contemplative spirituality realm, is very practical and mm -hmm. I think very useful these days and times when. Mm. Uh, people who feel called to activism, mm -hmm. but who are pretty tired at this point, mm -hmm. um, need uh, need some something to help them um, understand what they need to do to to be able to connect uh, with spirit and mm -hmm. with their calling at the same time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that the the idea of um things taking your whole life long, taking decades, taking generations, and not thinking that you can run a sprint and pour yourself fully out in one year or one protest or one thing and, and not feeding your spirit at all. I, I see people sort of dropping like flies with, with mental health issues and with um, despair, and, and that's where the contemplative stream has so much to offer. It does. It really does. And I think both in terms of 
coming into some sense of when is it that you should act mm -hmm. and at what time and what place. And mm -hmm. Howard Thurman was really the spiritual advisor to the to Martin Luther King Jr. and to many in the civil rights movement. And I think mm -hmm. this idea of uh, the training that they created so that you get centered inside before you, you know, move out to um, sometimes violent confrontation is so important mm -hmm. in trying to, move, you know, have the movement move forward. Mm -hmm. But if you just kind of jump out there without any kind of spiritual grounding, oftentimes it's just, um, as, as a, uh, What's his name? Bernard Alvarez says, uh, um, a uh, movement without a spiritual base is just an angry mob. Right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you'd, I think that spiritual grounding is, is so important, both in terms of when and, and where to act, but also having a um, sanctuary to return to so that you can um, be rejuvenated or um, are able to regenerate that energy that mm -hmm. you need to then go back out. So uh, mm -hmm. silence, I think, is, is so important to, for that. Mm -hmm. And um, the silence, and, and as you point out so much in your book and what you've learned on your journey about listening, uh, the, the careful listening to spirit and where God's spirit meets our spirit um, plays into being connected to source and being ready for whatever um, whatever comes our way, whether it's whether it's the medical struggles or it's the social racial struggles or any mm -hmm. of that as as we sink deeply into source into listening, we might have half a chance to, to not get completely bulldozed. Right. <laughs> um, you say that there's an invitation to engage in deep inner listening, each pointing to a heart, that is always available for solace, guidance, consolation, and wisdom. As Thurman writes, in the stillness of quiet, if we listen, we can hear the whisper of the heart, giving strength to weakness, courage to fear, and hope to despair. Uh, those words are very touching, but they're so apropos for our times. And uh, they've probably also given you great strength as you've had uh, heart struggles your most of or your whole life, really. Um, mm -hmm. Can you explain how his work has intersected with the journey you've been on? Well, um, it's really remarkable that I actually came to Howard Thurman after my heart transplant. Mm. But what was wonderful about that was that he just confirmed what I had been practicing um, all along. And mm. Uh, to be able to see um, and read about his life mm -hmm. um, just gave me um, additional uh, evidence that the path that I was on with respect to deep listening was the, 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 the one that I needed to be on. Uh, he, uh, I think, was born a contemplative. And I think there are people who are born contemplatives mm -hmm. um, who are drawn to silence and solitude and stillness. Um, he uh, grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, and mm -hmm. uh, often spent time outside. Um, 
and enjoyed being a part of nature and actually felt like he was sort of one with nature. Um, as he moved along his path, uh, going to uh, school um, and going to uh, college and then on to seminary, uh, he discovered um, Quaker mysticism. Mm. Um, and as you know, the Quakers, mm -hmm. uh, or the, the friend, Society of Friends, mm -hmm. um, kind of connect their uh, quiet and internal listening with social action. Mm -hmm. So um, in his particular uh, life, he learned to uh, spend as much time as he could um, in inner listening, um, which he was then able to uh, bring forth some wonderful living wisdom for us now, and is the author of about 20 books. Mm -hmm. um, probably his most famous book was um, the classic Jesus and the Disinherited, which Martin Luther King Jr. read and who was then inspired to uh, become more active in the civil rights movement. Mm. For me, um, I have certainly also uh, been uh, a contemplative probably since I was four. I didn't mm. have a name for it then, mm. but I used to like to sit out in the wind mm. um, because I found it very peaceful and quiet. Um, and as I uh, moved through my childhood and young adulthood, it was really in college that I was introduced to um, a professor of uh, Tibetan Buddhism, Jan Willis, who taught my roommate and I how to meditate. Mm. Um, and that, of course, opened up a whole new world to um, all kinds of spirituality. Um, but I also have always been drawn to silence, solitude, and stillness. Mm. Um, and it was when I was told that I was going to have to have a heart transplant in the middle of my life. I'm, mm. I'm a, at the time, I'm a, a college professor at University of Colorado, and mm. um, I'm thinking, and single, and I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? Mm. Um, and so uh, I had a wonderful um, psychotherapist uh, who suggested that I might talk to my heart about uh, whether or not I wanted to to actually uh, go forward with the heart transplant and how I was going to do that. Mm. Um, so I engaged in a technique called active listening, mm. um, which is, um, excuse me, active imagination, which mm. is a uh, sort of, it comes out of uh, Carl Jung's approach to psychology in which you either uh, sit down and project out a person or an object, um, or you can actually just uh, get a yellow pad and a pen, mm -hmm. and you start to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, at first I thought, this is <laughs> some kind of crazy, you know, psych psychobabble kind of stuff. <laughs> but once I started engaging in these conversations, I realized that, there was some deep wisdom and um, healing that occurs in, um, in, in, in having these conversations and in listening to our hearts more often. Mm. And your heart had a name. It told you that its name was Heavy Harvey. Yes. 
<laughs> and that was a, a a funny little surprise when I was reading to your first conversation. Your heart tells you it's try it's been trying to get your attention for years, and yes. <laughs> that you've had a life of being exceptional and wanting to be a star. Um, and then your heart tells you about worrying and doing too much. Your heart had a lot on its mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe yes. you can talk about some of those first revelations and why was it, it had a masculine tone. It was yes. heavy Harvey. And so there was a lot of surprises for you to, to learn on the, on the way. Yes, I, it was. And, and I have to say <laughs> that I sort of held back on publishing this book <laughs> because I kept thinking, how am I going to explain that my heart has a masculine tone <laughs> you know it's really really difficult but so yes I mm -hmm. um, started having these conversations and of course you know I really accused my heart of falling down on the job mm -hmm. you know it's like you're mm -hmm. you're 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 in failure mm -hmm. so what's the problem mm -hmm. and my heart in turn says excuse me I'm not the problem you're mm -hmm. the problem <laughs> Um, and uh, if you weren't running around mm -hmm. and being crazy and mm -hmm. being um, overwhelmed so much, perhaps maybe mm -hmm. you might be uh, in better health. So, mm -hmm. so, but there's, you know, there's a lot of symbolism there. The, the mm -hmm. heart disease that I had, which is called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, is a disease of heavy muscles. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was ironic that one, uh, <laughs> Uh, heavy, heavy Harvey would be the name of my heart, and two, <laughs> that he had this masculine tone. So, uh, and of course, Heavy Harvey says, "I said, well, wait a minute. I'm female. You know, how can you be male?" And <laughs> of course, he corrects me and says, "I'm not male. I have a masculine tone mm -hmm. because in the world of hearts, there is no such thing as gender mm -hmm. and social status mm -hmm. um, and race and any of these kind of categories that we feel are so important, mm -hmm. you know, to, you know, to put people in. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something totally I, different than, than the qualities that we might assign to just right. people. This is interior stuff. Right. However, um, as I reflected on the circumstances that I was in at the time, I realized I had probably been teaching for about 15 years at that point, mm -hmm. and um, I was surrounded by men. Oh, you know, okay. um, at the time in most psychology departments, they were predominated by men, and I think sometimes, um, in terms of our personalities, we adapt mm -hmm. to the environment that we're in. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think I perhaps learned unconsciously was that I was going to have to you know, summon up a lot of that masculine energy to be able to survive. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. So in some ways, it's really not surprising um, that my uh, old heart was named Heavy Harvey. Yeah. Um, but what's really funny, and I'm sure you picked this up as well, is that <laughs> he's so quick-witted and, uh, <laughs> you know, has these jokes. And, you know, almost in every conversation, there's a heart pun. Right, which, yeah. Which is just hysterical. And so, and I've had several people say to me, Happy Harvey is just hysterical. You know, <laughs> they just get a big kick out of, you know, his commentary on my life and, you know, some of the mm. things that I've been doing. So, yeah. um, so it was refreshing to have um, a heart that was um, obviously uh, 
cared about me, um, mm. but uh, was had a, had quite a bit of wit and was humorous mm -hmm. because you you know it was really a serious situation mm -hmm. and um, there needed to be a little I think lightening up on my side um, mm. of uh, you know dealing with all of this. So uh, so I was uh, in some ways happy to encounter Heavy Harvey, but at the same time quite surprised yeah. that you know, it turned out to be a heart with a masculine tone. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the thing I really gathered from it is that as you delve deeply, um, this this heavy Harvey part of you was going to make sure that you survived and in, in a, a, sometimes had to be aggressive and assertive and had to be a protector of you, deeply caring of you, and was sharp-witted and would tell you how it was, because out of love and out of uh, like um, kind of the sharp wit survival skill, like not yes. not quite maybe a coping mechanism, but in in like the the levity that that humor brings, so that you don't despair, so you you can survive. And right. and I appreciated that, although Heavy Harvey was going through so much, had gotten so enlarged, had got put through a lot of trauma <laughs> was yes. going to tell you if you if you gave Harvey a chance was going to tell you exactly hey now that you're finally listening here's what's going on and I've been yes. trying to get a hold of you and, and here's what you're doing and, and then you're like oh really and you're like and here's something else <laughs> and, and it was really interesting how heavy Harvey was willing to tell you the truth if you yes. were ready to hear it and yes. um, it's uh, one of the quotes is uh, first, you need to understand that all hearts are wise. Beneath all of the emotional stuff lies your beautiful and pure heart. It is the source of wisdom that comes through when your heart isn't so clogged up with emotional baggage. Sometimes you think you're listening to it, but you aren't. You are listening to your ego and, need, and neediness instead. But let's save that discussion for another time. <laughs> I want to get back to what you think I ought to pack in my suitcase. And maybe you can go over a, just a, a tidbit here, uh, what people's appetites, but your heart decides to, to pack up and get ready to go and uh -huh. <laughs> in preparation for the new heart that's coming, and which is so interesting. And um, this, this kind of metaphor for, for what's happening as you prepare to transition to something that's pretty scary because, you know, getting a new heart is, is getting a new kind of yes. life and yes. and what's that going to be like and and you also talked about um you know maybe you don't know whose heart it's going to be is it going to be like a a young person is it going to be a white person is it going to matter mm -hmm. you know uh, all mm -hmm. these things were really fascinating to hear and and yet your heavy harvey's just kind of just going with the flow, packing up, telling you wisdom once in a while. <laughs> right. Well, what was, what was surprising, because, you know, I, I was writing these conversations real time, right, ah. so as I'm going through the, the process. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember I got to a point where, uh, you know, I'm calling on Harvey, and he's not answering. And so finally mm -hmm. he says, oh, hi. And I'm like, what, what, where have you, why, why aren't you answering? He says, well, <laughs> I'm packing. Like, aren't you packing? And I'm mm -hmm. like, what? You know? mm -hmm. And so it gave me an opportunity to um, talk about if I were, uh, if my heart were actually leaving, what would I want him to take away? 
from mm. my heart so that I'm not going to, my heart's not going to be so bogged down mm. for the next heart, right? Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, there's going to be some space for that mm. heart. Um, and uh, so I initially referred to it as the packing series mm. where, you know, there are a series of conversations specifically about, well, what do we need to take out of our hearts? How about some resentment? Mm -hmm. And how about some feelings of inadequacy? Mm -hmm. And and of course, you know, one of the bigger ones was, and how about disappointment? Mm -hmm. Which, and when you begin to really think about what emotions might look like, you know, um, or, or what kind of flavor or, mm -hmm. um, you know, images come up when we think about different emotions, disappointment feels very heavy. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not surprising that Heavy Harvey um, is, uh, you know, has to haul out a lot of disappointment because I had created such unrealistic expectations for my life. Mm. I mean, like, mm -hmm. who thinks that they need to win the Nobel Prize, right? <laughs> you know, they don't give in your field. Mm. So, um, and that pattern of of always setting myself up for disappointment mm. because I had such unrealistic expectations, then create, you know, created this sort this, uh, this big portion of my heart that was being weighed down with disappointments. Um, and as of course, heavy says, you know, disappointments are nothing but, you know, the difference between your expectations and what really happened. Mm. And perhaps maybe you might want to, um, monitor and manage your expectations um, so that, that, you know, you are not going to continue building up disappointment in your heart. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually uh, was very good because, you know, when you, when you begin the transplant journey, uh, it's a roller coaster ride, mm -hmm. you know, it's a real adventure. And so you have really no expectations for what's going to happen. You're just trying to survive. Yeah. So um, it was, it was, it, it, that and I think the technique of active imagination. One of the things that I've told people who try it, because you know I in, mm -hmm. include instructions for mm -hmm. writing your own heart conversations, mm -hmm. is that sometimes you will go to your heart with a question, but it may take you someplace else because that may not be the real question. Mm -hmm. You know, the question may be a deeper one. Mm -hmm. um, so I always tell people get ready to go deeper, because if you you know asked your heart well. Do you really think I should go on vacation, you know, uh, next week? It might say, it might take you into a dialogue about, well, so why do you need this vacation? Mm -hmm. And perhaps maybe you need more vacations or whatever it is that, of course, you need in your life to help you with your healing. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yes, I was not expecting the packing series, but <laughs> it was very instructive in terms mm -hmm. of what I needed to do to be prepared for the new heart. Yeah, it, it's it's a really fascinating piece of those the book because you're you're reevaluating everything and you know have have you done things that you want to do differently? Ha, are there things you need to let go? And it's a real time of introspection and yes, in, in such a major major way because it's it, it's so symbolic. You know, the the new heart is is so symbolic and so literal yeah <laughs> <laughs> obviously <laughs> but um but but we don't all get the experience of of getting a new heart but sometimes we'll get taken to a point a breaking point or a a very you know a, a death in the family or a, a difficult a really difficult issue of some kind and we'll get 
broken down to that last point where we'll say, do I still want to go in this direction or what do I want to leave behind or what's holding me back? And mm-hmm. that exercise of, of maybe just it's the self-reflection where you can pull out of yourself and look in more objectively or, or whatever is happening in that exercise gives you a chance to have a dialogue like that. Um, seems like such a powerfully reflective way to go about evaluating your life and inviting spirit into to um, enlighten the situation and, and create wisdom in, in the midst of it. Yes, I think that, um, of course, we wouldn't want everybody to have to have a heart transplant to make a change in heart. <laughs> but, you know, we can do that. Um, we can make that change in heart if we I think step back and and compassionately observe our life Mm -hmm. and say, wow, what, who am I or what kind of heart do I have? Do I have Mm -hmm. an angry heart? Do I have a disappointed heart? Mm -hmm. You know, do I have a sad heart? What, what, what's going on with my heart? Um, And how is that impacting my life? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I, and I think in part uh, because of all the symbolism um, around where is spirit? Is it in our core? Is it in our heart? Um, that by actually engaging in these conversations mm. um, helps us to get in touch with that spiritual heart that's there, that's always available to you know provide mm. us with the answers that we might need. Mm. In addition, um, one of the things that I did, um, and Heavy Harvey alludes to it, is that um, I did an exercise in which I decided that I was going to list all the things in my heart. Mm. Um, and as I made the list, um, it seemed like they popped up as um, like ingredients on the side of a box. Mm. You know, so as, as when you read the ingredients in any kind of um, mm-hmm. uh, food that you bought, uh, oftentimes, the first ingredient is what it's the most of in that mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember um, actually doing that exercise, and um, um, disappointment was one of the first things that came up, mm-hmm. you know, among other things, you know, because yeah. Heavy Harvey goes through the list. Oh, you don't <laughs> like rich people, and you don't like men, and you, you know, I mean, all these things, right? And so... Right. Uh, it's it's uh, I think that, too, is a, a, a wonderful exercise for people mm. to participate in. You just sat down and said, OK, let me make a list of the things that are in my heart right now. Mm. It's you know, it's it's very um, instructive mm. in terms of where are you in your life? And um, because I do believe um, and this sort of comes out more in the second part of the, the book. But I, I think we're all trying to move towards that place that spiritual place of we're feeling the peace and joy, mm. you know, that right. we were born with. Yeah, and and um, your heart says, here's your opportunity to clean the slate, start over, and fill your heart with the things that will make it sing, that will make us happy. Are you uh-huh. enjoying your life? Yeah, the, the things that will make it sing. And I um, really enjoyed the part, too, where... Um, it's, it's around page 71 to 74. Um, it says that you have been doing a lot of things um, because you were driven by insecurity and, and a deficiency instead of passion. 
and then your heart says to make sure that you ask, what is the purpose and why am I doing this? Am mm -hmm. I doing it to please someone to make certain that they like me or is this something I feel drawn or compelled to do from the inside? And although that might sound simple, I think a lot of us unconsciously are driven to like, I hope this impresses somebody. I hope, <laughs> yes. I, I hope that I'm well liked as I do this instead of thinking, of the internal motivation, does this make my heart sing? Does this, is this fulfilling for me in, on its own? Uh, that is a powerful heart question to ask ourselves. Absolutely, and I think um, as I've continued to read about callings, um, there have been a number of people, I think uh, of uh, Patricia Snyder who writes about writing as a spiritual practice and um, she talks about, you know, your calling is your joy. Um, and it's unfortunate. I, think I wrote a blog about this recently. It's unfortunate that when we are educating young people, we don't often talk to them about what brings you joy as a calling. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, so many young people are driven by, is this profession going to, you know, am I going to be able to make money or mm -hmm. am I going to, you know, be able to, uh, uh, be famous, um, <laughs> right. as, as opposed to, is this going to, uh, when I wake up in the morning, am I going to be happy to get up and do this mm -hmm. for the next 30 years or how many years? Mm -hmm. Um, so this idea of, um, asking, well, so what's the purpose of this is, absolutely, I think, essential in our daily lives. I know sometimes I catch myself standing in the closet thinking, um, what will people say if I'm wearing this? Yeah. And I have to catch myself yeah. and say, no, what do I want to wear today? Yeah. You know, how do I want to feel? <laughs> mm. Now, Heavy Harvey pointed out that this guidance, this type of heart wisdom typically emerges from silence. But my, my question is, um, and I, I've come to this on my own very bumblingly, you know, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't even know when you say silence, what that even means, because silence is a fearful thing or so seldom or everything's very noisy in their heart or in their actual outside world. And when someone isn't used to getting guidance that emerges from silence, how how do you suggest they begin or where, how do you even know what silence is? Well, uh, there are a couple ways to um, talk about this. First, let me just say, uh, you know, part of uh, my recent training has been in spiritual direction, spiritual companioning. Mm -hmm. And so I sit with people and talk to them about their spiritual journeys mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, silence is uh, absolutely, I think, essential to the journey, however, um, I often, when I begin to help people with this, um, I offer the caveat that when you sit and you decide to be still, um, everything bubbles up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the wonderful wisdom can bubble up, but also any kind of wounds mm -hmm. or pain that you may be carrying bubbles mm -hmm. up as well. And I think it's really important um, for people to be aware of that. So. Typically, when I, I start people, um, start training them um, on their contemplative practice, um, I will tell them, if you've been through some kind of trauma or if you've just mm -hmm. lost somebody, mm -hmm. uh, this is probably not something you want to do to start. You, know, you might want to wait for a little bit. Mm 
Mm -hmm. uh, but if you do start, you might want to start with about five minutes. And so this is what I suggest to people. I said, you know, it's very difficult mm -hmm. because what the mind does, and oftentimes people will say, you know, I try to meditate or I try to be quiet, but my mind wanders. And I'm like, that's what minds do. <laughs> you know, our minds are trained to wander. Mm. Um, and so as part of this um, sitting in silence, um, what we're doing basically is retraining our minds and, and, and taking more control of it as opposed to it controlling us. So, you know, I tell people, just start out with five minutes and just... Um, you can listen to your breath, um, or you can repeat a mantra, um, like, you know, uh, um, I am uh, a holy child of God, or whatever it is, maybe it might be your favorite scripture, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, whatever that, whatever it is, you know, to just repeat that over to get your mind to kind of settle down. Um, now, I engage in a practice, which I call the stillness practice, where I try to be still, and my goal is to listen to the voice of God or spirit or creator or whatever way you might want to name that, but, but that voice is not going to be talking in words. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is um, still my, my chatter, right, um, to not be thinking about what I'm going to do later on in the afternoon, which, of course, my mind obviously goes to do that, or what happened yesterday. But just in that moment, to just be still. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very challenging, um, and oftentimes what will happen is that when you begin to do this, your ego mind will, will talk to you and mm -hmm. say things like, why are you doing this? This is crazy. You could be doing other things right now. All of that, right? Because it doesn't really want you to make that connection to mm -hmm. spirit which is, I think, begins your spiritual awakening. Mm. Um, and so, uh, but the more that you decide that, okay, I really want to um, begin to listen more to spirit than to my ego mind chattering away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, often it has a negative bent to it. So it's it's the, it's the first one who's going to beat you up. That's how you can tell. Like, that's how you can tell. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. So, but but what will happen? And I tell people, you know, don't expect some major piece of wisdom in that moment. Mm. What what sitting in silence does is that it just creates a little bit of space mm. for spirit to get in between the chatter, um, and you may actually become aware of something either later in the day or the next day, or you might be cooking in the kitchen and all of a sudden you'll just think, oh, wow, you know, um, I need to call such and such, or I need to, you know, um, go write down the sentence or whatever it might be. Um, so, but the more you practice and the more you begin to depend on spirit mm -hmm. as opposed to your ego, mm -hmm. um, you know, things start to shift. Now, you know, are there going to be challenges? Yes. But what is going to be your response to challenge? I think it'll be very different. Mm. Um, and so I'm at that point now where I'm really trying to work on, and I, I like to experiment on myself. Okay. So I'm really trying to create a more spirit-guided life than mm. an ego-driven life. Mm. You know, just leaving that ego-driven life behind. Obviously, I was deep into it. Mm. Um, and to lead a more spirit-guided life. And it's just, you know, such a, 
um, such a, I won't say it's easier, it's just more peaceful mm. and joyful. Um, and I think we all, so many of us, are searching for that joy, that spark, you know, that's going to get us out of bed or going to make us happy, you know, with whatever it is that we're doing. And um, oftentimes, uh, we may not be engaged in a um, professional activity or job that brings us joy. You know, we kind of did the detour like I did off to someplace <laughs> else. Um, or... Um, you know, we may not know what joy feels like. Mm. Um, I was actually talking to someone the other day who said, wow, I haven't felt any joy and I don't even know. They couldn't even think of, right? So I said, well, perhaps you need to intentionally create some joy. Mm. You know, like go to the movies or go out, you know, um, in a beautiful garden or someplace where you are going to experience that joy. Um, so you can begin to be more familiar with how it feels so that you can begin to move yourself in, in that direction. So um, I think that uh, silence is, is, is challenging for people because we do live in such a noisy world. Mm -hmm. And um, I've gotten much better with turning off television mm -hmm. um, sometimes while I'm in the house. Um, not playing the radio or any kind of music in the car, because mm -hmm. it's very calming, because mm -hmm. you know, we are really into a very intense talk time mm -hmm. uh, in the world. Um, and I think it's real important for, um, for us to, when we can, take some time off the grid. Mm -hmm. So I'm about to go on a silent retreat in a couple of weeks mm -hmm. because it's so important for my mm -hmm. spiritual, um, as well as my physical and mental health. Mm. Have you ever used anything like guided meditations or, or prayers to pray to take you to a place of deeper silence first as almost like a bridge or something like that? You, you know, that, that's not particularly my approach, although mm -hmm. um, I, I have uh, at, uh, from time to time listened to guided meditations. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's like um, I feel like I'm, I'm being directed to a different voice, even though mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a guide. Yeah. But I think that each person mm -hmm. should do what works best for them. Mm -hmm. And if um, engaging in a guided meditation prior to sitting for a few minutes in silence or reading something inspirational, mm -hmm. I do that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, what If that works for you and brings you to some place of stillness, mm -hmm. Um, so that you can, you know, uh, be rejuvenated in that moment. And that's the, that's the connection to Thurman. Thurman believed mm -hmm. that if we would, um, he calls it center down, if we would just sort of center down for a little bit, mm -hmm. um, that we connect with that eternal part of ourselves. And then, you know, sort of like going to the gas station and refueling, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So then we can go back out into the world again and deal with all the things that are in the world. But if we just keep moving all the time, um, we're gonna run out of gas, and mm -hmm. people are running out of gas. Mm -hmm. um, and that's then, as you said mm -hmm. before, when the, the health issues and things become problematic. Mm -hmm. Well, when you got a new heart, you found out that heart had a name, too. Yes. <laughs> Do you wanna talk about that? Well, um, I, you know, I, I, after spending time with Heavy Harvey and realizing that you know, all hearts and some other organs may have names. <laughs> I was kind of mm. curious as to what my um, new heart's name was going to be. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I had written a, a slightly different story, mm -hmm. um, even with a different name for the heart, because initially I did not know who my um, heart donor was. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have any information besides the fact that she was female. Mm -hmm. um, she was 40 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and then later, about a year after my transplant, I met one of her best friends who mm. told me part of her story, which mm -hmm. is that she had, she was concerned about having um, uh, medical issues in her 40s because her mother had died of a brain tumor when she was 43. Mm. And so um, the day after, no, it was the day before, uh, Jody Getz was her name, um, and her family's given me permission to use her name. Mm -hmm. um, Jody uh, had a brain aneurysm the mm -hmm. day before her 40th birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so uh, when I be, so initially I had a slightly different story about who my donor was until uh, one, I learned more information about her, and mm -hmm. two, her older brother um, gave me permission to tell her story. Mm. Um, I had kind of made up a story, mm -hmm. right, about somebody. Mm -hmm. But it became very clear when I was able to rewrite that section mm -hmm. with her real story that um, her name was Grace. Mm. Um, and if a heart transplant isn't anything but Grace, mm. I don't know what is, right? <laughs> um, so, but she obviously has a very different personality. She's not got the, you know, quick wit of um, mm -hmm. Heavy Harvey. Um, she's more uh, reserved. Mm -hmm. um, she's also um, not into heart puns. She makes that very clear. <laughs> Except um, for the grace period. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but she, um, you know, is, is very concerned about not letting stuff pile up. So, of course, that was a surprise conversation when she told me that emotions smell. <laughs> I was oh, like, what? yeah, yeah. yeah. And, mm. and, you know, had different um, um, smells with each kind. Mm. Um, and uh, so uh, that, was, that was kind of surprising. But she said, you know, that's the kind of thing that can really mm -hmm. um, put a heart out of commission if, you, if you've got a buildup of resentment Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you're depressed or, um, you know, angry. Mm -hmm. um, she had, you know, ways of, of discussing all of those and that it's important to become aware of what your emotional state is mm -hmm. so that you can then let some of that stuff go mm -hmm. on a daily basis. And I think what's fascinating is that um, we often don't pay attention to ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Because we're so busy running here and there mm -hmm. that if you were to stop and say, so what am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. That's that's a very instructive. Or my favorite question in the morning is, am I feeling joy? If not, what's in the way? Mm. That is an important question that I think every person should ask every morning. Mm. You know, and begin to... Uh, understand the degree to which um, we could feel joy, mm -hmm. but either we've allowed somebody to ups upset us or they've done something, mm -hmm. um, and that that's a great time to interact with spirit. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I'm feeling sad about something that happened, it's a wonderful opportunity for me to offer that up in the silence. Mm 
in, you know, in, in my silent prayer and say, okay, look, yeah, I was feeling upset about such and such, but I'm offering this up because I know that I can't be a good instrument. I can't be a good vessel. I can't be a good uh, dis, uh, conduit mm-hmm. of peace and joy and love in the world if I've got something clogging up the flow, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I now try to pay attention. They say that's one of the best mm-hmm. uses of judgment is how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, so that you can then begin to um, find ways to release that in whatever ways that that might be. Maybe it's journaling, mm-hmm. maybe it's talking to a friend, maybe it's talking to a therapist. But it's really important, I think, to get to the bottom of what it is that is driving us for the day. And often it's an emotional state. Mm. Yeah, you, you say it's on the inside and it begins with the heart. Otherwise, we're just being reactive. If we don't know how we feel, we'll, we'll be reactive. But if we can understand that our heart is sending out signals that can mm-hmm. be red flags, then we can say, well, actually, what's going on? And it sounds like grace wants to be in regular communication, not talking, but in regular, yes. giving regular signals, not letting any stinky stuff building up. Yes. <laughs> and and in a lot more communication and wouldn't want to put up with it like Heavy Harvey did. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think she's like, look, we've had some wonderful conversations, but this is not the natural ways that hearts communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not normally talking, yeah. but they are communicating. Yeah. And I want you to be paying attention mm-hmm. so that you can hear me, mm-hmm. you know, but not in words, mm-hmm. communicating with you. Yeah. Um, and that's been the case. It's been lovely. I don't, mm-hmm. on occasion, I may write a heart dialogue or mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. but typically I don't have to mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I can feel, I can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and every now and then I'll say, well, thank you, Grace, right, for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. And it's it's the settling down to to really listen um, to to those those inner rhythms and it literally like the inner beats, the inner rhythms. Yes. Um, and your your heart will let you know what's really happening deep inside. But yes. yeah, sometimes we're, we get we get overwhelmed with our circumstances or stuff coming at us. Um, one of the really beautiful things um, that was talked about a little maybe you can flush it out or unpack it a little bit um there was talk about with grace about resentment letting not letting it build up the stench that it brings and um and i think it there's a quote here and it says true spiritual maturity equips you to maintain love for a suffering spirit whose heart is burdened with hate and fear and that's that really hit me pretty hard because that's it's it's easy to maintain kindness i think to people who love us and are loving toward us but it's those people who are hateful and maybe out of fear um but that's where that's where it really will try us and um grace mentions i i suppose that um those are the suffering spirits and that's that's the kind of uh, different approach we have to take by by the quiet, the listening, and understanding that what's really going on. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny. This is a, uh, even though I wrote this long before I knew about Howard Thurman, mm. this is a great uh, intersection with mm. his work as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the book, Jesus and the Disinherited, he says that, and he, he actually met with Gandhi back in 
the mm. early 30s, about around 1935 um, in India. He did a pilgrimage there. And um, he and Gandhi both believed that love was the most powerful force in the universe, mm -hmm. period, bar none. And that for him, um, he was told by his grandmother often that he was a holy child of God. Mm. And he, he basically says that um, the goal is to understand that you are a holy child of God and to trust that, mm. right, in all the, of its meaning, mm. and then to, and it does take quite a bit of spiritual maturity. Some days I'm not there, right? <laughs> but mm. but um, to, stay, to stay centered in that and to love another person into knowing that they are holy child of God, because mm. people would not be hateful, mm. you know, or, um, you know, have contempt for others if they understood that they were a holy child of God. Mm. And so it's very important for us, I think, to work on our, our own spiritual uh, journey um, as often as we can so we can build that up um, and really be, I think, the love that God created us in, right? But uh, uh, it, he, and he points out that, you know, if you allow somebody else to disrupt your equilibrium by what they say, mm -hmm. then they will always have power over mm -hmm. your spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's so important. You know, I mean, just because somebody says or does something doesn't necessarily mean then that you are, you know, you should be devastated or that you even should internalize anything that they have to say. That's not who you are because you're a holy child of God. Mm. So um, I think that uh, it is important uh, for us to do our spiritual work, just like we would go to exercise or mm. you know, have a, a healthy meal. It's important for us to continue to do our spiritual work mm. so that we can be in that place, um, as so many people did during the civil rights movement, uh, even though someone may be spewing hate at you, that you could still remain centered, mm. knowing that you were fulfilling your purpose in that moment. Mm. But it takes a lot of work. Um, and you know, he points out that Jesus told people to love, love pray and love your enemies, mm -hmm. you know, because it doesn't take anything to love people that you know, but mm -hmm. you know, to be able to do that. Um, and I think Gandhi felt the same way. Um, that, uh, and of course, you know, I think that then influenced King to write his book, The Strength to Love, because it does take a lot of strength. Mm. But I think it's real important to, um, to continually engage in your spiritual practice so that uh, you are moving towards that realization, um, uh, both about yourself and about other people who obviously are, are filled with hate for any, any number of reasons. You know, a lot of times, um, I think people who are out there being hateful were probably have some some wounding from childhood. Mm -hmm. And so then they are just displacing that on to other people. It's it's very powerful, as Thurman puts it, centering down and that settling into an embrace that you are a child of God. Really, if it's absorbed, nobody can tell you who they think you are. Right. You, you just know the truth and, and that you are God's child. If you can stay in that frame of mind, there's who has power over you, who has 
anything over you. You know, I think that's, it's not easy to keep that in your mind when you're suffering or when right. someone's, when someone's persecuting you, but it's, but if it's the truth, it's the, it's a, such a sustaining power. Well, you know, what's really important about that particular um, idea is that Thurman's grandmother had been a slave. Mm. And um, one of the slave preachers used to come um, once a year or once every so many months and give a sermon. And he would say at the end, you know, you all are not slaves. You are not, you know, the N word, right? You are holy children of God. And that's what sustained her through the horror of slavery. And so Thurman sort of takes that and says, and so if we were to teach our children from the beginning that they are holy children of God, and he says, I have seen examples of that. Mm. Those children walk around with far more self-worth or we could say self-esteem mm -hmm. um, than others. And so then they become totally different people despite the obstacles. Mm -hmm. I think it really is in that connection with spirit, connection with God, that we actually have power to operate under the worst of oppressive conditions and still have dignity, mm -hmm. still have peace, mm -hmm. still have joy, because what we are connecting to is God and not necessarily internalizing all of this negativity mm -hmm. around us. Mm -hmm. It's just such an important spiritual um, uh, peace mm -hmm. that I think um, uh, most people uh, rarely get because they're so caught up in the world, you know, and dealing with their external circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we're all called to, to spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. um, and that happens often um, when we are able to make that connection mm -hmm. uh, to that that the power of spirit that is in all of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how I think the truth sets us free. Yes, and that is the truth, right? That's the truth. <laughs> that's sort of the truth, truth is true. that we're holy children, children of God, of and that sets us free because our minds are free and then nothing can get to us. Right, but, but it takes practice. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it doesn't practice. just go stamp, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. But and I, I think it's sometimes important for mm. us to identify if we can, what is our essential wound? Mm. You know, some people have an essential wound. Mm -hmm. And if you go back far enough, maybe even to being a toddler or mm. whatever, mm. Um, you know, like for example, my mother lost um, um, a child about nine months or so after me. And mm -hmm. so she was depressed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's real interesting, uh -huh. as I now am able to reflect on that, what impact that might have had and, and, and how a person may do or say something that mm -hmm. triggers that kind of, you know, I can't connect with my mom thing, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I think it, it's important to identify that and, again, to offer up whatever pain and wounding that we've gotten at some other point in time so that our heart space, our, our space in our spiritual being can be clearer and, and we are freer, you know, to do whatever it was that we were called to this earth to do. Um, and we're not sort of um, trapped by uh, something that we're maybe carrying around with us unconsciously. Mm. I, I often refer to egos as the little self, which is mm. I want to do what I want to do when, when I want to do it. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. Um, and I think what happens sometimes when we're driven by that part of ourselves yeah. that we're not paying attention to our hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, our hearts are sending us red flags and, mm -hmm. you know, all trying to get our attention. Mm -hmm. And that if we continue down that path, which is, as far as I'm concerned, the path to nothingness, mm -hmm. um, we end up somewhere, sometimes midlife, sometimes later, sometimes earlier, feeling empty. Mm -hmm. and feeling like, you know, what happened? I don't, I don't, I don't have any sense of purpose or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's usually because your heart's been trying to tell you what you need to do, but you're not paying attention. Mm. Oh, yeah, the, the, this has been such a treasure to, to speak with you. I'm thinking we should wrap it up, but also wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about anything else you're working on or any place you'd like to point my listeners in a, in a certain direction, maybe to your website or, or something else? Sure. So um, I continue to, um, uh, continue to do uh, workshops um, on the living wisdom of Howard Thurman. Um, I actually uh, appeared in a documentary about him this year. It's mm -hmm. called Backs Against the Wall, the Howard Thurman story, which can be streamed on pbs.org. It also is available as a DVD, you know, from um, Amazon or wherever it is that you might uh, uh, go. I also um, am doing a, a, a large spirituality conference here in Atlanta on the, uh, the creative encounter of Howard Thurman. So I will uh, continue to be doing that. I'll be at the Wild Goose Festival oh. Wisdom Camp this summer mm. um, to uh, talk about um, sort of a combination meditations of the heart and when the heart speaks. As I sort of mentioned, uh, just examining what's in our heart and what, 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 what kind of conversation do we need to have with our heart. Mm. Um, and so I typically post these things on my website, peaceforhearts.com, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, events, upcoming events. Um, and I'm hoping to uh, continue to do uh, writing, uh, blogging, as well as perhaps maybe another book. I don't know, books or something, you know, in terms of <laughs> promoting. But, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, certainly interested in um, spiritual awakening and how do we move from an ego-driven life to a spirit-guided life. Um, as well as um, uh, a, a bit of work on sacred activism, why it's so important to connect with spirit if we're going to be out there, um, you know, engaging as an activist. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and we'll just see where spirit is going to take me. Mm. You know, I'm really, this, th this has been a very in, uh, fascinating uh, experience with writing a book and promoting a book because um, I am trying to do all of it spirit guided as opposed to ego driven. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult because, you know, in that kind of process, you have to totally trust, you know, and, uh, you know, because I occasionally mm -hmm. have my ego mind beating me up saying, well, why haven't you done this? And you should have, <laughs> you know, been had five readings by now or whatever. Uh, but I get lovely um, emails on occasion. Um, from people who have read my book and thank me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, I yeah. feel like I've, I'm doing what I need to do. And that spirit will make sure that the people who need to read this book, you know, will will read it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I'm, I'm hoping that it will have sort of an organic following as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, trying to beat down every book festival or... <laughs> you know, book reading that I can do. So, I, hey, I love experimenting on myself, so I'm having an opportunity to, to actually 
uh, walk the talk, right? Yeah, and it 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 can be hard if you've been driven your whole life. Like I I know it's yes. it's not very American contemplative. <laughs> yes, it's very anti. As a matter of fact, I think I say that somewhere yeah. that right. This is really you know un-American to not be competitive. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny when anytime you ever go to any other country you realize whoa i'm really american <laughs> i didn't realize it now i'm like why isn't something open 24 hours i don't understand i want to get something done now and they're like yeah. slow down yes Relax. what is your problem yes but... we are really on unfortunately we're on the on overdrive yeah and we think it's godly <laughs> yeah, that that's the worst not. part <laughs> but well yeah. i hope you would be willing to come on again and, and share your wisdom and, and speak more about um contemplative spirituality or anything any projects you you'd like because um I, i'm so appreciative and grateful for your work well, thank you so much, and I would love that. I um, sort of feel like there are not enough people who know about Howard Thurman. Yes. Um, and so that's part of my calling is yeah. to, to expose him mm -hmm. to a, a wider audience outside of seminaries mm -hmm. and, you know, academic institutions, um, because so many people could benefit from reading some of his work. Um, and uh, I, I will try to uh, send more information about some of his uh, books, but I, I wouldn't mind just, you know, coming and talking just about him and his life and how he got to where he he did yeah and uh, and other topics of con on contemplative spirituality I just think that's mm. where the spiritual awakening really is mm. oh I so agree so my heart that's where my heart is is to bring contemplative spirituality to a whole new generation of people who I think are, are starving and and oh. uh, yes. they don't know they're starving it's all malnutrition out there for the lack of it Oh, there, there is certainly spiritual um, starvation going on all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, um, as, as, uh, as the title of one of Howard Thurman's book, Deep is the Hunger, right? Mm -hmm. It's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if it was bad then, now yes. we yeah. each have a, a supercomputer in our pocket to waste our time at any given moment and, and take oh, us you know, yes. away from... Yes. Distractions. Yeah. I call them ego distractions. Ego comes up with ways. Exactly, it, it, and it's there's there's you know companies, multi-billion-dollar conglomerates are finding new ways to psychologically keep us away from just even each other, and, oh, absolutely, and speaking absolutely. face to face, let alone uh, connecting with spirit. I mean, that's people you know have no empathy even just for another human being, let alone think of themselves as spiritual almost anymore because we're more like our, the machines that we worship in a sense than, than human and at this point as, as things move on. That's why I feel like not too much can turn around for the better if, if we are not beginning to understand um, our spirits in a contemplative way. Well, I think that there is a contemplative revolution mm. or reformation, if you want to be nice, going on in the world. <laughs> I, I <laughs> hope so. so. I'm happy to be a part of it. And I'm glad that you're out there <laughs> with a podcast pr promoting it as well. So thank you so much for doing this.
if you've listened to the show and you've thought, wow, I wish I could find out a little bit more about someone mentioned or a book or a website, that's what show notes are for. Just go to patreon.com forward slash spark my muse. Patreon is like patron with an E. Patreon.com forward slash spark my muse. If you enjoyed the show, please rate it on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.